0: seated. There is a, uh, boy, it's been an exciting week for me. I hope uh, your week has been just as exciting. I spent last week at the Yellowstone Bible Camp at a camp with, uh, for the high school session uh, with a, a lot of teenagers. And I heard that uh, I heard from several of you that Landon did a fantastic job yesterday sharing or last week sharing the words of God and um I'm looking forward to I haven't listened to it online yet but that's my plan here in the next few days so I'm excited to hear what what how God worked through Landon here this last week. But I know that when I've told people and I've seen it several times this morning and I've said something to the effect of, "Yeah, I spent last week at teen camp with 65 teenagers. There is this look of dread that comes over their face and it's like a why would you put yourself in that situation? Now, Why would you subject yourself to that type of thing? Because the word teenager has a tendency to even into the most uh, valiant and strongest of hearts. Uh, And maybe because those of us that are not teenagers anymore, we remember back and remember what was going on in our head during that time, and we wouldn't wish that on anybody. Maybe that's part of it. But there is a... I'll tell you that this last week uh, and the, the week of, of the senior session at teen camp every, every year is probably the highlight of my year or one of them because I get to learn from people that are, that are walking where I did a few years ago, just right after the floods of Noah, you know, the, the, the floods were going down and, and there was you know, the, all that was happening. That's about when I was a teenager, something like that. I, I said that to the teenager several times. But there's there's something that I learn and I'm reminded of every year when I go back, because these teenagers are walking in a a place in life that I've walked before, and sometimes we have a tendency to walk through different phases of life and then forget the lessons we learned at one point in time. And everyone that I ever come in contact with, I've made a, a commitment to learn something from that person. I think we have something to learn from everybody. And sometimes we learn some things that, boy, I don't want to be that way, and that's that's. Positive, because we learn something from, from people, from everybody. But what I'm going to do is walk through this morning and talk about lessons we can all learn from the teenagers at Yellowstone Bible Camp. And this isn't this year. This was a, a few years ago, this picture. But that is the teachers, team leaders, and the, the students that are there over uh, sit, sitting on the bridge. And the bridge hasn't fallen down yet when we've got all got on it, but it's very possible that it might someday. But that is a, a picture of us, um, like I mentioned there's about sixty five teenagers this year, and then team leaders and teachers and families that are there uh, cooks, all sorts of different people. Uh, Sylvia was the nurse this year and it is it 's amazing when you put people take people out of their context and put them together for a week. Um, there's a lot of changes that can happen. And sometimes in life, we just walk through and we, we have the same things every day, day in, day out. And it takes us removing ourselves from our regular context to, to really to grow and stretch. And just like there's a lot of sports camps, and I know that I went to sports camps when I was a kid, what Yellowstone Bible Camp is all about with the te- with the sessions is providing... A spiritual shot in the arm, just like a sports camp does, is raises the skills of people so that they can go back to their teams and play better. Bible camp does the same thing. It's a deliberate effort to raise the spiritual desire and the spiritual tools that people have so that when they go back to their homes uh, with their families or with their churches, that they're more equipped to serve God and have a bigger desire to do so than they've ever had before. And boy, I can tell you, this week was a tremendous week in all the, the good things that happened this week um, that we had uh, several of the people from this church here. Young people were team leaders there at teen camp. There's uh, we had several that were were teenagers that participated, and then different support staff to make it work. But there's some lessons that I looked throughout this week that I think all of us can learn from the teenagers at YBC. Now um, we're going to try some technology. See if this works here. Um, and. What you're going to see is this is the calisthenics in the morning. After the kids get up in the morning, they come down, and we round them all up, and there's the team leaders are the ones that are in the middle, which are college students or older that are, are mentors to the kids in the, in the barn and the Alice, in the, the guys' and the girls' dorms. And so they're in the middle, and they lead this, this part. And those of us that are, that are older adults, we stand off, and sometimes we, we participate a little bit, but you'll, you'll get the idea. And I'll, I'll explain some of the point here in, in just a minute. Oh! Okay, Keegan, let her fly, buddy.
1: I'm a little chooka, chooka, bo-dum! I'm My mom gave me a quarter. My mom gave me a quarter. She said, go buy some water. She said, go buy some water. But I don't want no water. But I don't want no water.
0: Okay, you get the point there. I had um, a much, much longer clip, but that's plenty for us for this morning. Uh, the The young man who is leading this this wake up exercise, if we can call it that, is a guy named Corey Alfred. He's from Great Falls. I've known him since he was a he was a little guy. He's 29, and he got engaged, actually, at camp. He's been dating a girl for quite a while. The girl just loves God, and uh, he asked, can she come this year? I'd love her to see something that I love very much about teen camp. So she came, worked as a team leader, and uh, Corey proposed this week, and so that was pretty exciting for everybody to see, and uh, just a, a couple that both love God deeply and are going to be a team for God. And Corey, is, uh, Corey leads this stuff better than anybody I've seen. It's, it's impressive, but how he... He cuts loose and, and allows himself to, or promotes whatever that is, you know, all the chanting and everything. Look at Philippians 4 4. Okay, this is something that Cody read here just a minute ago. Philippians 4 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That is something that's, that is an instruction from Paul or, or command of God, and it's an indicator of how we are supposed to be as a people. And we have times of heartache, that, and we see that in the Psalms, times that we have these great burdens. But as Christians, like we've talked about before, we're the only people that can say the future is better than the past. Because no matter what happens in life, I just continue to walk in the light, and God takes me to be home with Him in a place that is much better than anything that I can ever imagine or see here. And that should be the overriding perspective of everything that happens in life, is looking around and saying, man... There's a lot of tough stuff here, but I've got good news that I can share with people that can help people change and help people transform and help people not have to be burdened by the great things of this life. And what tends to happen with us as adults, and I can tell you that when I was a teenager, I was right there in the circle and I you was know, jumping around excited whatever. I find myself that being a little tougher to do as I get older, partially because I'm afraid I'll sprain an ankle or something like that. I mean, it's not that bad, but... There is a, but I, it's just different, and I can't really explain it, but I wonder if sometimes just the different little hurts of life that I've had over time, and the different burdens that come on my shoulders, like the mortgage or or whatever else that, that we tend to wrestle with as adults, that it doesn't just, I don't allow it to just take some of my joy away, and not approach life with the great Joy and uh, like you see in this demonstration here, and this is just one little example. But I think that's a good thing for me to to think about, and maybe for all of us as we get older and go through life, is remember that do not. It's important for us not to allow the burdens and the situations of life that happen to kill our joy, and to cr- allow a bur- burden so big to uh, sneak into our life that it's hard to smile anymore, or it's hard to to. Uh, uh, leave those burdens and and allow God to take them on. I think with a a lot of these teenagers, not all of them, but they're in a context and and young enough that they just haven't had many of those burdens on their shoulders yet. And if they had, they're able to leave them and and let them go to some extent. And that's a pretty good thing for me, uh, maybe for all of us to learn as adults, to remember to find joy in life. Something else that I, I... I learned from the teenagers or was reminded of this week, is the importance of being able to and be willing to ask questions. Let's go to Proverbs 4. Go ahead and turn to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. I'll start reading in in verse 1. Proverbs 4, verse 1. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I, too, was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland of grace to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. And this idea here, when I read this, and I remember reading it as, as a young person saying this phrase in there, get wisdom, even though it costs you everything you have, pursue it and, and go for it. And that is something that all of us can live, live by. Uh, I saw it at teen camp uh, with... A few different ways. Uh, One of the things that that we do is have some of the young men present devotional lessons around fire in the morning and the evening. And one of the things I said to them is, as I was prepping them at the beginning of the week, I told them, if there's some hidden sin in your life, if there's something going on... you need to confess that and get that off your chest before you present the Word of God. Because we can't really effectively present the Word of God. It doesn't work if we've got hidden sin that, that we're hiding. It just, it just flat doesn't work. And in the, in the course of the next, uh, the next day or so, there were several of those young men approached me and just said, All right, here's the deal. I have been struggling with this, and I will carry this burden by myself no longer. And can you please help me to understand what I should do from here? How do I avoid this? How do I go deeper with God? How do I work to leave that sin behind? And so we would talk through that. But it took humility on their part to do that and to say, I am at the point where I need to ask questions on how to resolve this. I confess and I just just need help. I need guidance. There's different uh, people approached the various teachers and team leaders throughout the week just with questions about life. And I hope I don't ever get to be one who believes that I have all the answers and I don't need to ask the people around me how to to pursue life or proceed in life. I uh, know that there's, with the age of my children right now, I want to be one that is very open to asking the questions of those who have gone just ahead of me th- the questions of what do I need to be prepared for? What's going to happen? Give me some, you know, throw me a bone, help me understand, because I do not want to try to invent this wheel myself. I want to know what. what what you've walked through and how can I learn from from your experience? What we just read in Proverbs talks about this is that gain wisdom and, and pursue wisdom with everything you've got because in doing so, God blesses us and rewards that. And that's what I saw from the teenagers this week is a willingness to be able to ask questions and to seek counsel so that they could go deeper with God and understand what God wanted for them. Another Thing that I learned from the teenagers this week is the idea of being adaptable. Let's go to uh, Ecclesiastes 11. Go ahead and turn to Ecclesiastes 11, verse 6. Ecclesiastes 11:6. It says, "Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well." Yeah, this doesn't talk about or doesn't use the term being adaptable specifically, but what it does is it says, sow your seed in the morning, and whatever you do in the evening, put effort into it, because you don't know what's going to succeed in life, and so you need to maintain some flexibility and not get your head caught in one direction of this is how life is going to be, but be looking for, for different opportunities. I see that a lot in this valley. Something I noticed when I got here is that a lot of people here have their job and then they have something that they do on the side, uh, whether it be a, a rentals or, or some other some other job that they have, and quite a quite an industrious crew here in, in this valley, and it's it's really neat to to see that, and that's that's the type of thing that this proverb or this uh, section of Ecclesiastes is talking about. And something I noticed about the teenagers is that they they were willing to be adaptable. Now, there's some of you might. Say, wait a minute here. I have a teenager, and they're not adaptable. Or I have a kid, and they're not adaptable. Well, I think I know many adults, including myself, that are not adaptable at times. That's just that's how we we tend to roll in life. But there were several times during teen camp where we had to change the plan. Like we one afternoon we had sports set that we were going to the kids were going to play sports in their in their teams. So we announced to happen, but um, it rained. And it was starting to thunder and lightning above camp. And we thought, you know, this isn't a great idea. And one of the other wives and one of the teachers there just said, hey, I've got, I've got some bingo. We'll divide them up into teams in the lodge and allow them to play bingo. And so we rang the bell. Kids came together to the campfire and said, all right, we've got to call an audible here. We're changing the plans. Come inside. We're going to play bingo. All the kids got, I've never seen people so excited about bingo in my life. And I had no idea that it could be so competitive. But teenagers will take, I mean, the, the game was on, and, and there was talk afterwards. It's, you would th- thought it was like a basketball game about someone who had, we would have won if they would have just heard, and, and they, had the, they, were, they were supposed to mark this, uh, this one on their, their bingo sheet. It didn't happen. It's just, it was just fun. But you could see that they were able to switch and adapt really quickly. There was an article that I came across here recently, and I'm going to spend some more time on this another time and flesh it out because it was one of those articles that I read that impacted me immediately. And I thought, oh, that, that's it. That's it. This is important. He was talking about a, a guy, and he was writing it from the first person. Uh, he had gone, he had been newly married and had gone to a um, marriage enrichment seminar. And uh, he, the, the speaker said, what is the thing that tends to create the most havoc in marriages. And he he said, Ben, I knew I had just gone through pre-marriage counseling and I raised my hands and I said, finances and intimacy, those are the two things that create most uh, heartache in marriages or the most dissonance. And the presenter said, that is incorrect. And you look at a lot of material, that's what it talks about, but what that is, is that's the symptom. It's not necessarily the problem itself, but it's the symptom. He said the greatest difficulty, or what creates the greatest difficulty oftentimes in marriage, is unrealized expectations. And that got me thinking, and it, this article talked down through it a little bit. And you can see that a lot, and I, all of a sudden I saw it in myself a whole lot. And to use a, an extreme example, and there are situations and I've, I've met people that find themselves in this situation where they get married, and within a short time after being married, there's a car accident, and one of them is in a wheelchair for the rest of their life. Well, that can create a lot of tension, because there's some, there's some expectations there of how things should be. Now, sometimes we can go into marriage and think, wait a minute, I thought we were going to, to have this active lifestyle together. I thought things were going to be this way, and this is not what was supposed to happen. And that creates heartache. It creates tension because life has not delivered what we expected. Um, Maybe one that's closer to home. When you come home in the evening, there is this unsaid and unwritten expectation that when you walk through the door, things are going to be clean, put together, and everybody's going to have a smile on their face. And you walk through the door, and the kids have been playing with Legos or whatever, and it's everywhere, and the stress level or anxiety level is here. And you walk into the house and think, boy, this is not what I expected, and I am upset because things should be different. And maybe the thing we can learn from that is that it's important for all of us to learn to be adaptable and to, to set our expectations in a place that is, that is real. Not that we have low expectations and just accept uh, and, and lower terrible standards. That's, that's not the point. But we modify our expectations so that when we walk through the door and there's a mess everywhere, we say, huh, that must have been a difficult day. Okay, that means I need to be on my game and I need to change my expectations and I need to do it right now because it's game on for me and I need to, to be different. And I saw that from the teenagers on, on several different occasions. They were able to adapt, and uh, that's a good lesson for all of us. Here is, is one that uh, is really powerful. Uh, go ahead and play this, Keegan, and then we'll talk about it. confusion there at the end of the song but you, yeah that's right that's right go to Ephesians chapter 5 look at this and I don't believe this video that I showed you right there does justice this is a campfire shortly before we all went to bed and if you um, if you google uh, what do teenagers talk about I'm sure that you would not get this but what I saw was the 65 teenagers that were there singing with heart and being excited about what God is doing in their life, and wanting to share that through song. Ephesians chapter five, verse 16. Excuse me, verse 18, 5:18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it was beautiful to be there and to watch and to participate and see these these young people doing what is totally different than the peers in the world do and dedicating themselves to sing songs that uh, talk about eternity, that talk about the spiritual life, that talk about transformation. And seeing them, you can tell, being sold out and convicted in that. And I, I believe that the video just doesn't do it justice, but you get the ideas. They were, they're were they singing with heart and excited. For us, I think that's always something that is that needs to be on the front of our mind. When we come to, to worship God or whenever we are singing to God, is we give our best and we sing with heart because we're excited about all that God has done for us. Um, here's another uh, video. Go ahead and play this one.
1: Like the best cake around. I'll put my money on it. <laughs> That's right, put faith in your energy. Oh, yeah.
0: Hey, what I'm doing there is Bryant Beck served as one of the team leaders this year. Bryant is a part of the church here. Uh, he'll be back in a, in a few weeks when school starts up. And I made some comment to Bryant about uh, he needs to get his game on and he needs to get his, his crew uh, up and rolling because all the team leaders have a, a crew that they're responsible for. And w- one of the things that makes Yellowstone Bible Camp affordable is there's not anybody that is paid to clean up. Is We have the, the kids do it throughout the week. And so the kids would have a KP two to three times, correct? Three times, three times throughout the week, okay. And so they would take a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner, and the crew of kids would, would clean all the trays, clean all the dishes, clean all the lodge, and do all of that. That's just part of, of life there at Hillstone Bible Camp. And so I was given, a, given grief to Bryant about how he needs to get... You know, hopefully, he's gonna he's gonna lead well, and he's gonna have his his crew in top shape. And you see what he did? He responded. He said, "I've got the best KP crew out here. I'll put my money on it." And and he was he he was. I saw him going around, and and other team leaders did this as well. It's just building up morale and getting kids excited about doing something that seems normal and mundane. Now, there's all of us. Uh, some of you, if you have teenagers, may think, "Man, well, my." Uh, or teenagers or children, my kids complain about doing the dishes at home. Well, I complain about doing the dishes at home too. Maybe all of us do. But I know that I have a choice and, and I can work without grumbling and, uh, and, and be excited about the opportunities and, uh, that, that we have to, to serve God in, in a way that may seem um, not so glamorous. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I'll start reading in verse 14. Grumbling is one of those things that that always got the Israelites in trouble. Uh, And it, it gets God's people in trouble as well. And it gets us in trouble as individuals. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain." So grumbling is one of those things that just destroys any type of example that we have to people around us. If we, as a people, talk about how we're excited about heaven, we're excited about what God has done for us, and we have a habit of grumbling about whatever it may be, about our neighbor, about our country, about whatever it may be. We can grumble about all sorts of stuff. We can find all sorts of stuff to grumble about. And we do that, we just torpedo the great example that we have. That's always important for me to remember. Maybe it's important for all of us to remember. And I saw the teenagers at camp, by and large, and they were exceptions, and that's okay. They're growing too, but work without grumbling and take on the responsibilities they were given and, and go with it with a lot of gusto. I saw them do that in the, in the lodge during KP. I saw them do it during the, uh, uh, the clean cabins. They clean their cabins during the day as well. And, and the people that got the Dirty Claw Award, uh, that's the, it's actually. Um, if you don't know my father, you may not understand how this works. If you know him, it, it makes perfect sense. Okay, the dirty claw, the cabins that have the, the the messiest one of the girls cabins, the girls section and the guys section every day. The team leader has to wear a necklace that is made out of a swan foot. Now the, my dad shot this swan, and so they wear it around this big black claw type of thing, and that's the black claw award. And so kids really try to not have their team leader wear that around. It's a kind of a fun thing, but it's, it's different. But it's one of those things that gets attention and, and raises that morale. But you see the kids taking this responsibility and saying, hey, I'm going to do the best I can cleaning my bunk, because some of the people, the difference between the clean and the dirty sometimes was just a sleeping bag not being made. Um, so everybody did a great job. It just uh, it, Sometimes the, the margin of error was very narrow. You saw kids putting effort into that because they wanted to do a good job. And no matter what uh, situation we find ourselves in life, sometimes we find ourselves doing things that we don't like, you know, aspects of our job that we don't like or aspects of home that we don't like. We do a whole lot better if we approach life without grumbling. We just go for it and find uh, find an attitude that is positive and uh, in everything we do. I saw from the teenagers this week uh, some a great, tremendous example of encouraging one another. If you look at this slide up here, it's just a screenshot from the video that I showed you earlier of the kids singing around the campfire. And what's happening here is there, there was a, a young man named Aidan. He's from Canada. That was here uh, at camp this week. Um, he's from Medicine Hat. And one of the things that was really Really interesting. He got connected with the church or got connected with camp a few years ago. And he is, is, is hard of hearing and deaf, and I'm not sure to what extent. But uh, he has trouble hearing the songs that are being sung and knowing what he should do in that context. So a few months ago, some of the, some of the kids from Canada contacted me and said, hey, Aidan's having trouble being able to hear what's going on uh, when we sing. Can we bring some songbooks and distribute them around the campfire so that uh, people can more or less be on the same page because a lot of these songs are sung from memory. But we can be on the same page and maybe someone can sit by Aidan and find those songs so at least the, the second two-thirds of this last half he can be able to, to sing. And it was this was all initiated by his peers. And so every evening when we sat down at the campfire, and we were singing, there was somebody next to him, and usually it was one of the students, sometimes it's one of the team leaders, but sat next to Aiden. and whatever song came up, looked in the index really quickly, tried to find the number, and opened it up, and had the flashlight or, or a phone, that was, the light was on there, so that Aiden could sing along. And, and it was amazing to see how, how natural that was for this group of young people to look out for each other in that way. So another young man there named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah has some handicaps that that limit him quite a lot. And I saw on several different occasions, Jeremiah would go in and he would sit down, and he would sit down by himself. And one of the, the young people would get up and say, Jeremiah, come sit with us, and take Jeremiah to go sit where they were at so that he would be at a table with the rest of the people. And I saw them looking out for him, uh, on, just on a, on a regular basis, we have one of the things we do. It's just kind of fun. is is a tool that helps uh, the kids learn how to say the books of the Bible. So every night we take dedicate just a few minutes to see how many of the kids can say the books of the Bible in one breath. And um, and there's there's points that are given to their teams if they uh, depending on the number of kids that can do that. And there's some that can say it. Twice and even a few over over time have been able to say all the books of the Bible in three times in one breath, which is impressive to watch you know, there's we keep the defibrillator handy and that kind of you no know, you know, the oxygen no it's, it's actually they, nobody's ever passed out doing that, but you see you see grit you know at the end when you're trying to get towards the end and trying to finish in one breath, and takes a lot of effort in that, but the idea is that it's a, it's helpful to learn the books of the Bible and so you know where things are at in Scripture and saying them in one breath is just one of those things that gets the kids to practice to be able to do that. And little Jeremiah came up, a um, very very small young man. He came up and, boy, he was going to try. He was going to try. And and he came up and, and he he took the microphone and the first two nights that he tried, he made it about to Numbers or Deuteronomy. So four or five books into the, to the Old Testament. He didn't get very far. And last evening, he got up there, and you could just see this, this face of determination on him. That, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to do this for my team, and I'm going I'm to give this a shot. And he gets up there, and he, um, he starts in, and you can see it's not going to go very far. So the, the presenter that was up there that night, that was holding the microphone, just started whispering the words to him and the rest of the books. And he walked through it, and he just said all the books of the Bible. And he got done. It was really neat because the kids gave him a standing ovation because he pushed through. And there's not a lot of places in our world where people that are outside of ordinary or outside of what um, we view should be, should be right or, or healthy or whatever uh, are treated with such kindness and such, um, such encouragement. And that's a a good example for all of us. Uh, Be people who look around us and and find ways to encourage or to give courage to the people that are around us and that are next to us. Uh, Because all of us find ourselves uh, beat up and bruised by life at some point in time. We never know what the person next to us has gone through the day before or this morning. And it's oftentimes just those little words just that little courage that we give to somebody else that maybe picks them up and gets them through that day and makes a difference for eternity. Our words are powerful. And encouraging one another is, is a huge part of that. Now we have uh, some great opportunities coming up here the next, uh, next week and a half. The youth rally that we host uh, here is going to be from August 10th through the 13th. And at camp, there was uh, when I asked around, there was a lot of kids that said, "My plan is to be there, and I'm hoping to be there." And school, things for school are ramping up, and so there's a lot of lot of other things happening as well. But there's a sound like a good crew from camp has made that a commitment. Say, "I want to be here because I'm, I, I want that spiritual shot in the arm before I go back into the into the school year, and I'm excited to be able to be here and to participate." And so that is something that I know right now, usually a week and a half before the youth rally happens, we're trying to find all the logistics and get all of those together. And maybe we have hair, we want to pull our hair out, you know. Uh, but the beautiful thing is remembering the big picture is that everything that we're going to put effort into here in the next couple of weeks, if we Give the kids some opportunities to hear the message of God that convicts their hearts and gives them a platform to be able to build Christian friendships and relationships that are going to last for eternity where they can encourage each other throughout the year. Boy, we've got mission accomplished. That means great stuff has happened. And so in the next weeks, if you, if you need information, they talk with the Staley's. They're heading things up this year, and there's a lot of ways you can serve. There's a lot of ways that you can work but this is just one more way that the church here works to step out to, to provide spiritual direction and guidance and spiritual tools for